Amen. Well, good morning, Grace. It is so good to see you today, even though I know that I can't see you through the camera, but you can see us through the camera. And, uh, and if you're new, if you're just tuning in today, this may be the first time that you're checking us out, I really want to welcome you and say it's really a privilege to be able to uh, meet you right where you are at and uh, bring some joy, bring some love from God himself uh, through Jesus Christ, right in your living room or, or your bedroom or wherever you find yourself today. Um, it's good to be with you. And uh, everything that God has for us is good news today. <laughs> He's just got good news for us. And we could use some good news in the middle of all of the bad news that we're hearing all the time. You know, I, I want to introduce you to somebody uh, through a picture. His name is John Krasinski. Many of you are going to recognize John. Uh, John is famous for a role that he played as Jim Halpert in a uh, famous uh, TV show that was on a few years ago called The Office. And uh, Jim, uh, Jim Halpert, who uh, is played by John Krasinski, John is now, uh, he's stuck at home like the rest of us. Uh, and uh, John is trying to figure out how he can live life and what he can do in the middle of hearing all of this lousy news that we hear every day. And we're barraged by it, aren't we? We're barraged by news every day of something that uh, is bad. Uh, so in the middle of that, John decided to do something. He decided to put together a little show that he calls Some Good News. Pretty simple. Some Good News. And he's done four episodes of this, and I would really commend you, go on YouTube and check out some good news with John Krasinski, because it's filled with some awesome things that are still happening even in the middle of all of this difficulty. And that's what his 16-minute show is all about. It's just sharing some good news, stories about families that are finding ways to celebrate birthdays and, and anniversaries and, and show love to their neighbor in the middle of all of this difficulty. It's such a voice of good news, and that's the kind of thing we need to hear right now because there's not a whole lot of good news on the news. There's not a lot of good news that shows up on our web feeds, for sure. But you know what? That's not anything that's really changed. 2,000 years ago, the world was filled with bad news. There were diseases that were being spread that nobody had any idea how to heal, there were people who were dealing with desperate poverty. There were folks who were living under oppressive rule of the Roman government, especially right in the area where Jesus was. And Jesus came right into that scene. He came right on the scene during those worst times. And he decided to speak good news because he was the carrier of good news. He spoke right into those situations, right into every one of those scenarios saying the kingdom of God is at hand, turn and believe the good news. There was good news that he came to bring, but he came to bring that good news in some ways that nobody was expecting. And because of the people he brought that good news to, and because of the way he interacted with some of those people, it was scandalous. It was scandalous, the kind of good news that Jesus came to bring. And that's what we've been talking about these last couple of weeks uh, we're in the second week of a two-part little mini-series called The Scandal of Faith. And that word scandal is chosen for a very particular reason. Uh, scandal comes from the Greek word scandalon, and it means stumbling block or something that trips people up. And we've been looking at several ways in which the Christian faith actually trips people up. And last week we started our discussion by talking about some exclusive claims of Christianity that creates some boundaries around our faith that also become stumbling blocks 
for some people trying to believe. Now, we don't move those boundaries, but we have to acknowledge that sometimes those boundaries trip people up. And the two things that we talked about last week were about God's word and its authority, and its authority alone in all matters of faith and life in our lives, and the exclusiveness of Jesus himself being the only way to reunite that relationship between us and our Heavenly Father, just as you saw in that children's video earlier on. It's the only way. Jesus is the only way. God's word is the only authority. And those things become stumbling blocks. They trip people up in trying to come into the faith. And the reality is that because of that, that winds up being bad news for some people. People hear that and they're like, I just can't get over this. And we want to hope and pray that people can get past that and recognize the goodness of God in the middle of those really hard things to believe and sometimes hard things to live by. So that was kind of bad news for some people last week, but it's really only half the story. It's only half the story because this week we want to continue on with the rest of the story because there's more to the story about what Jesus comes to bring. And there's more to this scandal of faith that we need to understand. And we understand it by hearing these words from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Just listen to these words. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, that's the good news. That's the good news. And it's the fact that the gift of salvation, the gift of that restored relationship between us and God, is a pure gift from him through Jesus. Those two things that we talked about alone last week were, were part of five things that we call the solas, which just mean things that are alone. Word alone, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone to the glory of God alone. And we talked about word alone and Christ alone last week, but this week we want to talk a little bit about grace alone and faith alone because those two things alone are all you need. That's it. The grace that comes from God through trusting in Jesus. Nothing more. That's it. I could end the story right there. And you're waiting for the catch, right? It's like, well, wait a minute. There, there's got to be something else, right? There must be something that you got to add to that to really be in good with God. But you know what? That's not what God's word says. It says there's nothing else. We've been saved by grace, which is a gift from God. And we're saved through faith in that grace of God offered through Jesus. So we trust in Jesus for God to save us, and we're in. We're in, just like that. There's nothing else to add to the equation. And that's something that trips us up. It's crazy that something like that should trip us up, but it does. Romans 8 verse 1 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that really mean? It means there is nothing you can do that can separate you from the love of God when you trust in Jesus. Nothing. Nothing you can do 
can break that relationship as long as you trust in Jesus. That's all. Faith in Jesus eliminates every place of judgment upon you. It eliminates any sense of condemnation from you. And it brings you freedom. Freedom in God. Complete freedom. Freedom to love Jesus. Freedom to be loved by Jesus. Freedom to let his Holy Spirit shape your life. That is the good news. But we struggle with that good news. Why? Well, because we're sinners. <laughs> we're sinners. And because of that, the trip up is this. We love to hear that message of grace for ourselves. But sometimes we have a hard time showing that grace to others. We struggle to show that same grace to others. And Jesus talks about this. He speaks to it very specifically when he was talking with his disciples and some of those people who were around him listening to him teach. I want to invite you today to open up your Bibles. It'll be up on the screen here for you too. But I want you to open up your Bible and read along with me. In the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 7, beginning right at verse 1, this is Jesus talking to his disciples and with his disciples and with others around, and this is what he says. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't judge, or you will be judged. Now, you may have heard that before, and in the context of what Jesus is talking about, it's pretty clear what he means. He's not saying that there's nothing that we can do that's wrong. Of course, there are things that we do that are wrong. And, of course, we recognize that when we do something wrong, we need forgiveness. God offers that forgiveness to us so we can determine things that are right and wrong. But judgment here is about condemnation. Judgment is about looking at somebody else and saying their wrongness is more wrong than your wrongness. So somehow they're out and you're in. And we are really good about doing that as human beings. We're so good at doing that. In fact, Jesus had to talk to them there and speak to us today about the same thing. Grace is still grace to us, but we want to withhold that grace from others so that we can look good. And Jesus breaks that all down. Jesus breaks it down. He talks about a measuring of our sin. A measuring. This is a yardstick here. I love what Dan Lugo said earlier today. He said, it's like a meter stick, only American style. It's a yardstick, and you use it for measuring things. And when we try to measure ourselves or measure somebody else, this is the idea of what Jesus is talking about. He's like, we're going to measure each other based on how good we are. We're going to use this measuring stick to determine how good you are versus how good I am. 
So how do you measure up? Let's hold that stick up to somebody and say, well, let's see. My sin, I think my sin ranks about a 16 on this scale, but yours is a 28. So because of that, you're out, I'm in. Or worse yet, you know what? I don't even see myself on this scale anywhere. All I see is you. I'm just measuring it up against you. Let me hold it up against you and see where you land on the scale. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the measuring stick. Because here's the problem. When we use a measuring stick to measure somebody else, the same measuring stick applies to us. The exact same measuring stick applies to us. And the measuring stick doesn't look short and small like this one does. It's the measuring stick that God has. And God has a measuring stick too. His measuring stick goes from the floor all the way through the ceiling and up into heaven because God is perfect. And if you want to try and measure yourself or measure somebody else against God's perfection, good luck with that. None of us measure up. We can't possibly measure up to that standard. But we are blinded to our own sin we are blinded to our own brokenness. We are blinded to the things that affect our lives. And instead, we see only the sin that affects somebody else. And you know what? Nobody likes it when somebody sins the same way that they do. You would much rather judge somebody for some other sin and ignore your own. That's what it means when Jesus says, you hypocrites. Now those are hard words, but we're all to some degree hypocrites. Every one of us have some area that we think counts as an like extra dose of sin above and beyond our own. Let me ask you a question. Right where you are, right where you're sitting right now, I want you to think of one thing that somebody does that really offends you. It could be in their lifestyle, it could be in their behavior. It could be in their social economic status. It could be something related to the clothes that they wear or the, the tattoos that they have. Think of something that just gets your goat, that one thing that you go, ah, oh, boy, that thing, that really offends me. That one thing is exactly the thing that Jesus died for. Whatever that is, that precisely is what Jesus came to offer healing for. Our vision gets so clouded by our own sin that we misjudge the sins of others. See that same measuring stick? Jesus then goes on to say, look, it's like you've got a plank in your eye and because of that plank in your eye, you can't see the speck that is in somebody else's eye. And you're trying to get it out of their eye while you've got a plank in your own. The plank is blinding you. So get the plank out. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, there's a plank in your own eye. You need to get rid of that plank so that you can see something clearly and help your brother. Help your sister. 
We are all dealing with sin, but what we don't need is for us to look at one another as if your sin is worse than mine. What we need in the grace of God is for us to acknowledge, yes, I have sin too, and my sin is no greater and no lesser than yours. And I need God's grace in my life. And so do you. And from that place of God's love and forgiveness through Jesus, we can trust one another to remove those specks out of each other's eyes. But nobody's getting rid of the plank themselves. I can't get rid of the plank in my own eye by myself. And I certainly don't measure up to God's standard of perfection. And if we spend the rest of our lives still going back to this measuring tool and still going back to the plank that's in our, eye, in our own eye, we will never clearly see God's grace in our life or in the life of somebody else. We will always be trying to work up against that measurement. We'll play the try-harder game. It's the worst game in Christianity. It's the try-harder game. You've got a sin that you need to overcome? Well, you know what? Just try harder. Just try harder. Just work your way up a little bit on the measuring stick. You'll never get there. And neither will I. We can't. We can't do it. That's why we put our trust in Jesus. And when we trust in Jesus, when we trust in the grace of God, we see things differently. The plank comes out of our own eyes. And it becomes a cross. And we start to see ourselves and others through the cross. Because this is the only measuring stick we need. When we see our own lives, when we see the lives of others around us, we see it through the eyes of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. He broke the measuring stick, friends. He took all of the measurement and the failure that you and I put on each other and put on ourselves and have done to one another and have done to ourselves, he took all of that on the cross and it's gone by putting our trust in him, our faith in the grace of God. Amazing grace. That's how amazing God's grace is. Is that no matter what you have done, it's on the cross. No matter what you will do, it's been covered by the cross. No matter who you have hurt, no matter who has hurt you, all of that is taken care of by the cross. So here's what I'm asking you to do. What's your next step? See the cross. See the cross as being for you as well as for your neighbor. Judge one another based on this. Because this says that the judgment was all on Jesus. And not on you and not on me. It's this and this alone. God's grace alone. Faith alone. Jesus plus nothing. That's our salvation. That's God's goodness. And that, friends, 
is the good news. And it's amazing grace. Amen.